Hey guys, we're back on the Views from the 573 Podcast. I know it's probably been a minute. A couple texts ago, I accidentally misspoke and said it was the entertainment from the 573 Podcast. So, I've been doing a lot of entertainment podcasts with the boys, uh, with Matt, with Peter. So, we're back here on the Views channel. The opportunities have been scarce on this channel. So, we're back and we got a lot to talk about. Uh, of course, Last Dance just wrapped up. Last night, incredible documentary series detailing the Bulls' run in the 90s. So we're going to be talking a lot about that. We're going to be talking about the NBA, some news that's coming out on that end with their potentially trying to get back to playing, and some news about baseball. I'm not the biggest baseball fan, but we're going to talk about it. It's big, a potential major sport potentially coming back in this pandemic, and talk about whether that's feasible whether it's actually possible. So we'll be talking a little bit about that. But going back to the entertainment channel, we got some pods coming out in the next few weeks. Uh, hopefully, we're taping a Captain America trilogy pod series. So we're going to be doing a couple of those this week. We hope to. And then next week, we'll be doing the last one again. That all wrapped up. I haven't seen the movies yet again, but excited to get that going on the entertainment channel. So be on the lookout for that. But again, this show... NBA, MLB, and the last dance. Let's get it. All right, so we're back. I'm here with Grant Marshall. We talked a few weeks ago, talked a little entertainment, talked a little bit sports, but we're talking a little bit mixture of both here to start it off. With the last dance. First off, Grant, this has been that. What's it watching this documentary been like for you? Man, it has been awesome. It gives me uh, some better insight into um, you know Michael Jordan, the person and the player. You know, we didn't grow up watching Michael because you know it was a little before our before our time. Right. So you know, all, all we've seen is Kobe and LeBron and other players so we didn't get to see that side i mean it's just been awesome to be able to see most people's go and see how he was as a person and player well and the documentary it really kind of peeled back some layers on jordan the person actually i think the fact that he he decided you know let's go and do this uh really kind of shows that this guy wants to open up a little bit about that run the kind of teammate he was the kind of player the person he was what were his motivations what was his mentality stuff like that we got to see a whole lot of that we got to see a whole lot not just jordan but a lot of the key figures from that bulls dynasty with reinsdorf and kraus all the way with phil and with kurt on the last on i believe the ninth episode talking talking about uh his relationship again to the nba and a lot of stuff with rodman pippen a lot of we got to see a lot of backgrounds of some of these players detailed out in this doc throughout the series, and yeah, you mentioned that up with Kobe and LeBron. Of course, each generation can say that. Like for some that witnessed Bill Wall, Bill Russell, uh, he to them he's the goat because the guy was a player coach. He won eleven rings and was the most dominant player. Uh, to some guys, it may be Bird or Magic, and. Then with us, it's you know Kobe or LeBron. And of course, I've I've been thinking about this more so with this doc, 
and this has been mentioned time and time again, LeBron is more so of the type of player and guy that Magic and Larry were. And Jordan, the thing with him, Kobe was more so Jordan uh, to us. He, he was more so, as far as the mentality, the play style, his competitiveness, there's nothing like it. He copied some of his moves, and, and of course, finding out uh, after Kobe's death, you know, finding out that Kobe and Mike actually talked a little bit, you know, had that relationship. So I think it's been really great to peer into that window and to see just what people in that time were talking about with Jordan and uh, how he played uh, and all that stuff. Um, so funny thing. So uh, we had a thunderstorm here in Crothersville last night, and it crossed my mind like, oh, crap, what if the power goes out? And you text me. I was charging my phone, and I was thinking we were going to do this at 10 o'clock last night. I was charging my phone. I, I go up during commercial, and I see a text like, lost power. We have a power outage. I was just like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, well, it happened to somebody. I'm glad it wasn't me, but it happened to you. And uh, for it to happen to either one of us would have kind of, kind of hurt doing a 10 o'clock pod last night, which... To be frank, I'm kind of glad because that's a late time to do a pod. It's a late time to crank one out. But, yeah, so you lost power, and you got it back shortly in to episode 10. And I went and asked you if uh, you saw what they just showed. And it's like, you know, I'm going to watch these on ESPN+. Plus. I want you to <laughs> guess what I was talking about. What do you think I was talking about that I said that was so great and unbelievable? Um... I'm trying to remember all that happened towards the beginning of episode 10. Um, Were you talking, I'm trying to remember which, whether it was in nine or 10 where Dennis Rodman in between games went to go wrestle (laughs) in the WWE. Was that it? Yeah, that was it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I just couldn't believe that. Imagine that in today's like world, a, a person in, I mean, on the, Warriors or somebody on the Cavaliers or somebody a few years ago when they were in the series, uh, if in between games went and wrestled in WWE or like in before the Super Bowl, the day before the Super Bowl, Gronk's wrestling somebody <laughs> or something like that. I mean, it's just crazy. I know. With Rob, it was, I think a lot of people are just realizing how crazy Robin was and how unique he was, especially with that. <laughs> like, I think, you know, just seeing him do that and just him having the goal to ask for a break mid-season like <laughs> let me go to Vegas <laughs> he goes, goes to Phil and says hey I need a break and Jordan's like you know he ain't coming back after 48 hours and sure enough he doesn't come back and uh, Jordan busting through the door of the hotel and Carmen Electra hiding that, that whole thing there he was celebrating the final championship with her like listen in a 48 hour I've been seeing a lot of this on Twitter 48 hour span Rodman goes to WrestleMania. He goes and plays in a final game, in a, a big finals game. And then after the championship, he, he celebrates with Carmen Electra. That's a great 48-hour <laughs> span right there. I didn't know it said that he was paid $250,000 plus use of a private jet to appear at the to wrestle. And, you know, his fine was $20,000, so, I mean... I seen what Ron Harper said. I think that makes him a good businessman. I mean, I guess it's true. <laughs> it does. It, it makes good business. It, man, 
And uh, speaking of fines, early in the episode, one of my favorite things is Craig Sager giving him a $20 bill to help pay for his fine. That's awesome. <laughs> just, I just seen, you know, where they said he's like the perfect example to like uh, the be able to separate your work life from your outside life, outside of work. You know, just yeah, it's crazy when he wasn't playing. He's just doing some crazy things. I know. And Phil and them gave him that leeway and he kind of needed that. You saw what happened uh, when he was with the Spurs. Uh just nothing good came out of it. And so he needed nope. and he needed a coach to embrace him and, and the craziness that he was as well as a team. And that team certainly did and gave them an edge that they needed. Gave them an edge of rebounding, defense, energy guy, something that they totally needed. Uh, I want to talk about some of our biggest takeaways. Do you have any takeaways from this besides uh, the one talking about, you know, from our generation seeing how MJ played? Um, be honest with you, if I believe we'd have grew up and punched that play, I honestly would probably say Michael Jordan probably would who we would say is the goat as well. I think so. I, I that's a good take. I think again, it all comes down to eras. It depends on which era you're in. You're gonna have different opinions on who's the goat. And so, like, if, if we were in that era, it was like, yeah, Jordan's a goat. What are you guys talking about? You see LeBron, he's getting shut down by JJ Vareo. What's that about? <laughs> I think another one was I just didn't realize how pivotal of a piece Steve Kerr played. Oh yeah, and in the last two seat, the last two uh, championships. Honestly, I just thought maybe he just came off the bench and just hit some three. Maybe he was like Mike Miller, but yeah, for the you know just for that Heat team or somebody like that. But he actually played some pretty big minutes, and I don't know. I just didn't the takeaway just how crazy Robin was. You know, he just also he, he's best friends with the dictator too <laughs> him and kim, kim jong-un just that man was crazy yeah yeah going back to kurt i think i remember seeing in either one of the last finals that they were in it was either the fifth or the sixth one where he's on the floor in crunch time with jordan with pippen with robin and kukoc that's a little bit of a small ball lineup right there and so maybe the Bulls were thinking a little bit about that. You know, you probably got Rodman at center. You got Pippen or Kukoc at the four, and then you got the other three. And you got Kerr taking point. But yeah, you mentioned that. I love the story that he tells at the fifth championship rally when he uh, oh yeah when he's in the rally. He's like, feels like, all right, Michael, we're running this last play for you. He's like, you know, I don't really feel comfortable in this situation. So let's look to Steve Kerr for this situation here. <laughs> I, I, I love that. That's amazing. But And him telling a story about his dad and, you know, having that kind of parallel where with him and MJ and their fathers as well. Like the whole thing with MJ and his father, I had no clue about. Uh, I knew that something good didn't. It did not happen to him. I knew something terrible happened, and just the fact that it took span and that amount of time in the night. Of course, you got the championship, and then you got this, and then actually saying we've all seen the picture of him on the floor sobbing, but we've never actually heard the audio of him sobbing after winning that first championship since his father died. I think it's. We've learned the impact of his dad, though, through this whole documentary series. I think it's my belief, and I think it's probably accurate, that the reason Jordan left is that 
and went to go play baseball. His dad wanted to go play baseball. And like that was that his dad taught him baseball early on in life. And of course there's that conversation where he's talking to his dad about it. I was like, go do it. So I, and I also thought the whole thing about his retirement of it being a secret suspension with the whole gambling incident. I actually <laughs> thought that's an amazing conspiracy theory. I love that. But it's, it's pretty wild. But like, so, some of my biggest takeaways, I, I think I just enjoy like the little stuff. Of course, we get the whole thing about Space Jam and all that stuff. Uh, I like his him working constantly throughout the day, him waking up at six or seven, and then him going to him going to like work out or get some shots up, then going to work on the film, then doing the same thing, and then having uh, pickup games for about three hours with uh, some top-level NBA players. And him just scouting them. Like, I love the, the Space Jam pickup games. Those are amazing. Uh, and the Olympic stream team practice that we got to see. Like, that was awesome. Those are legendary. And you got a collection of talent of the best players in the world him, Magic, Larry, Ewing, Barkley, all that stuff. I really love that part. Uh, number two. It's more so, uh, more so, probably not a good look, but I think a lot of people are looking at a, you know, a lot of people are talking about, you know, Ryan, how Reinsdorf and Kraus look after this, you know, especially after what Reinsdorf said about not keeping the team together after '98 in that final episode. Scottie Pippen is probably going to catch a, a lot of heat again for some of the stuff he did he, from, you know. His contract in 97, 98, and him sitting out and delaying his surgery, that's not a good look. Uh, then, you know, the migraine game, of course, that it might not be the dude's fault. <laughs> but, you know, just having that happen at an unfortunate time, that's something you can't control. And then the sitting out part. and uh, uh, That was crazy. Th- that is crazy. And just them hashing it out in the locker room right after and Bill Cartwright getting up and talking to Scotty about him laying them down and him crying about it. and Scotty of course apologizing for that and you know and then uh, so I think that's probably one thing that people are going to take away from that yeah Pippen was good and Jordan said he needed him but like Jordan really doesn't doesn't do a whole lot of this stuff without Pippen because I think the thing with our generation is that we think Jordan did it all by himself. I don't think so. He, Pippen was great. Like, he might have been the greatest number two in league history. And then, then you have guys like Rodman coming in, Coach coming in, Horace Grant coming in. So, like, I think our generation thinking about Jordan doing it alone is not completely true. Pippen was – and that season that Jordan left, Pippen was great. Man. Like, they were talking about him for MVP potentially. That's how good he was. And the triangle was more so of an offense for him. Uh, a guy that's a, a point forward. And the offense worked well through that. But I just think, you know, I think a lot of people are looking at that as like, yeah, that's a tough look even now. Uh, and then I think my biggest one is the end of episode seven where M- MJ is explaining his mentality. That's some powerful stuff right there. When he when he finished that episode seven up by saying that, what was going through your mind when you heard that? 
Um, uh, honestly, I think that just tell, tell, or, I mean, tells us and everybody what kind of leader and competitor he is and was. I liked it when he said, I didn't ask them to do anything that I wouldn't do. Right. So, he, you know, he always led by example. Hmm. And so, you know, he's the baddest man in basketball, can't be stopped. He's the GOAT at the time and everything. And he's not too good to not practice with the team or go get up the extra shots and everything. So I just thought it was just amazing. I think that's my favorite part in the whole uh, doc, uh, documentary and everything. I think that's just when it won some awards and stuff. I just love that the end of last uh, episode uh, seven. I watched it again last night after I finished episode 10 because I wanted to see the final minutes of it. I mean, it's just awesome. It tells, tells a lot about MJ. It's a really raw moment from him. And we don't see a whole lot of raw, raw moments from MJ. And that was one of them detailing the way he played. And, of course, we see in the series about, like, how some people probably thought, like, in his quote, he said, some people probably thought he was a tyrant. Uh, abusing people, pushing them, uh, like Scott Burrell, like him, you know, trying to push him, challenge him, and all that stuff. But I just, yeah, I mean, I mean, seeing that, when you first see it, it's like, holy crap. This is MJ basically explaining why he did what he did. And he's getting emotional about it. And I think I'm a little bit more appreciative of, you know, uh, like what you said, his quote, you know, but he wasn't going to ask his teammates to do anything that he didn't do as well. That he was going to push them to do the same things that he was doing to prepare them for big moments. He wanted to take them along for the ride as well. He wanted them to win as well. It's not like he cared about himself and all that stuff. And, of course, he wanted them scoring titles and MVPs. He wanted his teammates to win too. He wanted Pippen to win. He wanted Kerr to win. He wanted Phil to win. He wanted everybody to have a shot at the ring and to get it. And... And seeing him explain all that, his mythology about why he is the way he is, and seeing him get choked up about that at the end when he says break, like that's some powerful stuff. I agree. Uh, it was awesome. One of the things I don't have listed here is a lot of, uh, is some of the players saying, uh, hey, MJ, nice game, or celebrating, and him finding a way to motivate them. I was like... Guys, you should have learned your lesson far sooner than this. <laughs> like, the LeBradford Smith story. <laughs> when he scores 37, and of course, we now know is not true, is, hey, Mike, nice game. And Mike goes on a back-to-back -back and scores 36 in the first half. And Just insane. absolutely humiliates him. I was like, oh, I made the story up. Like, that's some, that's some GOAT-level stuff right there. Do anything, demote himself to get mentally prepared and go to that, that killer mentality. I know. <laughs> so, so him using whatever motivation he needed to is just amazing. But let's be honest. Michael probably didn't need the motivation to do anything. I think it's just like he wanted to use that for something. It's just like he, he didn't need it. He just wanted to like, oh, okay, this is a slight. I mean, I was going to do good anyway, but now I'm going to take it to another level. Just shows how insane he was. But I, I, I loved all that stuff. And seeing B, the BJ Armstrong one, that story, he knows better. He's seen what happens. And even the Hornets players like, 
oh no, we in for a dog fight now. <laughs> he knew better. He'd been playing him with MJ too long to know that they weren't going to beat the Bulls that series. You know, he had a heck of a game. I forgot how many points he dropped in the game that he won and everything, but I mean, he knew better. He knew what was coming. He did. Uh, I I think there's some stuff that have aged the best from this. Of course, Jordan himself talking about how his playing style is number one for me. Uh, then going back to, you know, how good Pippen actually was. Uh, the guy was good is an understatement. And uh, plus how much he needed him. And the last one, I've debated about this. Of course, we talked about this at the top. How we're thinking about Rodman now after this. <laughs> and seeing what all he got up to, all the antics he got up to. I think that seeing this stuff in the, in the Twitter age would have been amazing. It would have been like a fun night on Twitter. Like, holy crap, did you hear what Rodman did? <laughs> the guy went to WrestleMania. Oh, it would insane. <laughs> Like, if we had a season and he goes to WrestleMania, I was like, hey, guys, you hear Rodman is at freaking WrestleMania during the freaking finals. And, and like, imagine him playing with LeBron. How's LeBron feeling about that? <laughs> yeah, him skipping practices or, or taking a uh, little vacation in the middle of a season to go to Vegas and then <laughs> disappears. And, you know, people on Snapchat or Twitter posting pictures of Rodman. Oh, man. Driving off on the motorcycles or him doing, you know, I forgot at the end of episode 10, he says something about a bunch of people are going to be doing illegal drugs tonight. <laughs> no doubt people would have captured Rodman doing some crazy things and he'd have been suspended or it'd have been, it'd have been all over social media. Oh man, it would have. Uh, some of the things I think have aged the worst, uh, not a fine look from journalism during that 93 season with the whole Atlantic City stuff. And basically kind of driving MJ to being mentally and physically exhausted because of all this attention that he was getting. I couldn't believe it. You know, they, I feel like they kind of, you know, insinuated that, you know, his pro and, you know, his su su uh, supposed major problems with gambling, gambling addiction and gambling debts led to his father being killed. You know, I yeah. just couldn't believe they said something like that. <sighs> It's not made a major story. It's not the finest look for my field. I'll, I'll just leave it at that. It's not the best look, but yeah, I think a lot of people in this day and age would like. I think they'd understand it getting to him, you know, being mentally exhausted by all this attention that he's getting, especially with something like that. Uh, it was it was actually kind of the first mark kind of against him that whole Atlantic City thing. Is that he, this guy was clean cut. He, he was doing great, great image for the league, and then he had this happen, and then you get this story happening in uh, in '93. It's just a I mean, I didn't, I didn't see the big ordeal with it. You know, he just wanted to go clear his head. Yeah, and he wasn't out doing drugs or getting drunk. He just wanted to go with his dad and whoever else he went with and yeah. enjoy himself instead of being just worried about the the next game and everything. I didn't see a problem with it. Yeah, I think in this age, a lot of people would have you know, got on his head about it too. It's like, why are you doing this? So you're in kind of the whole going back to the Rodman thing. You're in the middle of the playoff series trying to get a championship. What are you doing going up to Atlantic City and gambling? Like, what's going on? But uh, I think that's age of worse, you know, the media doing that. I think when we're talking about, you know, being mentally exhausted, being physically exhausted, I think 
in today's age, I think a whole lot of people will be more understandable about that. But I think in that time, like, what are you doing? You're Michael Jordan. You're like the greatest player on the face of the earth. Why, why are you doing this? Why are you exhausted? You shouldn't be. <laughs> it's like, the guy's human. <laughs> yes. I think uh, a lot of people tend to forget that. I think a lot of people tend to forget that when we're talking about athletes. Like, these guys are human. They have lives, too. You know, they're just like us. They're they're just actually good at something, really good at something athletically. Uh, the Pippen negatives about him saying out, uh, and honestly, the I think one of the worst ones is talking about breaking the team up. Now, the whole reason why they break it up is still kind of is understandable. You know, money reasons, health wise, it's understandable. But at the same time, I agree with Jordan when he when he basically said it's kind of like the rules at the wreck. You stay on the court until you lose. And I think I think no doubt they would have won a seventh. You know, honestly, if he hadn't been mentally exhausted and needing a break from basketball, I think there's no there's no doubt they could have won nine straight. Honestly, yeah. imagine imagine if he hadn't have left and wasn't mentally exhausted from all the media and from his dad getting murdered and everything else that was going on. I think they could have easily won nine or ten straight and just. It's just insane to think about it if he hadn't have left for two years and they hadn't broke apart the team. I know. It's crazy. And then, of course, in that next season, it's a lockout season. So they're only playing 50 games. And what's a recipe for a team that's a little bit older is that type of schedule right there. That's right. It allows them a whole lot of time to rest, get their body into shape. So I'm looking at this article. I found this last night on a forum, and I found the article to this on NBC Sports with Krauss talking about, you know, what was why they decided to go this route. And basically they had a meeting in 98 and kind of went through, like, all the doctors uh, and whatnot about the health of each individual player, about what they could do for the next couple of years. And they went into all that. And then, of course, you go into what actually happened after the, the team broke up in 98. You get the Reinsdorf deal where he said, hey, I offered Phil a contract. Don't want to take a break. Phil did not want to go rebuild. And honestly, I don't blame him. And of course, we know he goes to the Lakers and he wins five championships with them. You know, honestly, you know, I, I, at that moment, I thought he had probably already had it set up that he was going to the Lakers because, you know, he knew all season he wasn't coming back or, you know, before the season. Right. So there's, you know, no doubt his people and him had already been talking to the Bus family and thought he probably, or they probably reached out to him as soon as they heard he wasn't coming back. So, you know, he knew all along he wasn't going to be coming back anyway, so he already probably reached out and set that up. I mean, can you blame him? No. Having Kobe Bryant, he knew what Kobe was going to be. Yeah, he knew so, what Kobe was going to be. So smart move on his part of just going to the next best thing. Right. He knew what Kobe was going to be. He knew he emulated MJ. He's like, this guy is probably going to be the next MJ. And then you get Shaq, who is one of the most physically dominant players to ever play the game. And, like, there you go. And, of course, I mean, you got to work out that friction between them. But one of the things I'm looking at is, you know, of course, that question is, could they win a seventh? MJ says he would have come back. Uh, in this article, I discovered that he that MJ sliced a finger on a cigar cutter that would have prevented him from playing possibly that entire season. Wow. And, and, and Krause has explained this and said, you know, he could have, you know, gotten away with signing a huge contract with us but 
he was honest and he, he said he didn't want to play on a rebuilding team. And then, of course, I think part of us were kind of hoping we'd get the Wizards years. Uh, <laughs> I know so. I know probably some people look at those kind of fondly in a weird way. You know, him wearing a Wizards jersey, but I don't know. I agree. I think they could have had a chance to win possibly more. But, you know, looking at what Krause says, I do understand part of it. I think Reinsdorf actually comes out looking more worse right now than Krause does. I think so, too. You know, Pippen said it best when he said, uh, he said arguably the best GM ever. You know, I think probably Krause after seeing this is definitely, in my opinion, now the, the best GM ever in NBA history. So, yeah, I agree with everything that happened there at the end. And after uh, Rosendor's little interview, that I think I think he came out a little bit worse. Yeah, I mean, Pippen said, "Let's give Kraus credit. This guy put this thing together." He made as much as they didn't like him, man. That yeah. man, he had a uh, he wasn't scared to, to pull the deal on some trades and fire coach and everything. I mean, it was pretty cool just to see everything that he was able to do and pieces he was able to bring in and move out and everything. So I, I was impressed. All right. There's a couple things I'm going to talk about as we close this segment out. And this was brought to me by my dad last night. As soon as, almost as soon as we got done as how's our generation going to look at the whole MJ LeBron debate after watching this. I honestly don't know. I mean, you saw the, did you see the poll ESPN put out last night about, I did. <sighs> I have a tough time believing that MJ's the better passer and MJ's the better person off the court. I mean, I mean we know LeBron's the better passer. We we look at the guy was averaging double digit assists this year in like 35. And then of course doing all this stuff off the court. How do you think our generation's going to look at this now? Or do you think some people are going to change their mind or do you think some people are still going to stay firm on LeBron? You know, I just think that everybody's just too set in their ways to, or biased towards a certain person out of the two to be to honestly switch. And, you know, people in our generation, all we've seen is highlights of Michael, and we never ever watched it live. So I don't see too many people changing their mind. I, maybe some people will have, like, some kind of, like, belief like I have that is LeBron might be the the, the most skilled out of the two. Yeah. But he's not the greatest out of the two. This question was supposed to be by Matt a few weeks ago when we were kind of talking about this. It might have been during episodes five and six after that got done. Is talking about with the perception of LeBron change a little bit. If everything else stayed the same about his career, except him winning three, being three and zero in the finals. No, say it again, Ryan. I, I didn't hear you there for a second. So if LeBron, if everything stays the same, we look at his career, everything stays the same with LeBron. He All the stuff with Miami, all that stuff. But he only goes to three championships, and he's 3-0. and Does that change our perception a little bit about him? Uh, I say yes, because, you know, the losses on, you know, LeBron's record, they're, they're pretty big blemishes. And so, I mean, it, I think – Though, you know, it kind of helps him though he's been to so many. So I think if it was just three, you know, people would definitely say Kobe Bryant's better because he has five. Right. And so I don't think this, the three and oh would be enough to change people's mind. I, yeah, the blemishes on LeBron's record, 
of course, going back to that Mavs run, it, it was kind of the same Mavericks run. I think it was their time. You know, the team just catches fire, and a player catches fire like Dirk, and like Dirk got is. That, that's kind of like a, you know, in the Oscars when somebody's been doing great work for so long, they get nominated, they don't win it, and then when they're older, for maybe a role they weren't particularly as good as roles they were good at being nominated for in the past, and then they win it, and like, it was their time. It was Dirk's time. So, and then the whole Spurs, them getting blown out. But I will say, though, the Warriors ones have been impressive because he's put up top-notch numbers. But, and I think a whole other thing about the argument is, look how many Hall of Famers MJ did not let get rings. Is that It's, it's unbelievable. Like, they put out the trivia stat. He did not allow 20 Hall of Famers get rings. And who they said who was the most? Well, Patrick Ewing with four. And you got him. You got Stockton Malone, which bad look for Utah last night, having to relive that. Those two look great. And also, bad look for the pizza businesses of Utah. <laughs> I know. I couldn't believe that. You know, I mean, we'd always just heard it was flu. I mean, we didn't know it was food poisoning. And uh, it was, I just couldn't believe that they did that but right yeah it's gotta be gotta be tough for them utah fans because i mean they had some great teams and john stockton and carl malone they were something else man they were just watching those highlights malone was so big like i was like holy crap this guy's why isn't this guy buying everybody in the nba but like yeah for utah fans i really relive that and the pizza businesses i think if you're MJ, do you not question why there's five people at the door to deliver pizza? <laughs> I mean, why do you? I mean, I don't know if if you know how adamant and diehard those Utah fans are. Do you really trust a pizza delivery uh, restaurant or people them knowing that it's for Michael Jordan? You don't think that they're going to do something to the pizza? I mean, I mean, I don't know. I think they should have just. Played it out better. He should have known something was going to happen. Yeah. I wonder if anybody else knew about this. Surely some other people did, and people kind of looked it over. But, yeah, it turned out to be the food poisoning gang. We're changing over 20-plus years of narratives here with that. But just seeing the amount of players that he did not let get rings, and, of course, seeing what uh, what's happened with, in LeBron's time. He's let Steph get three. Kawhi's got two. Uh, one on his watch. Uh KD has two. Yeah, KD has two. Is like dominant in those performances. Like he, he, a lot of players have gotten rings here. A lot of people that are going to be Hall of Famers. Steph, KD, Kawhi, they're all going to be Hall of Famers. Uh, so, I think that argument is is good as well. I, I but I do wonder if some of this is going to change. But I do think some people. We'll be sending their ways like, no, nah, LeBron's better. LeBron's better. Just look at the stats, bro. Look at the stats. And, of course, people bring up the argument, well, LeBron's faced tougher teams in the finals. Uh, I mean, the Warriors teams were tough. Those teams were tough. I mean, especially the ones with KD. How are you going to stop that's, that? See, that's, that's all I said. I mean, other than the ones with KD, I mean, I feel like it's been not too tough for competition. I mean, yeah, they had the Splash Brothers and Draymond, but, I mean, Look at look at the Utah Jazz. They have John Stockton, all time leader in assists and steals, and he could shoot the three. And and Carmelo, the second all time leader scorer. And then 
the couple of the other teams that the uh, Bulls face, I mean, I, can, I don't think it's too much harder competition. I mean, I think the Spurs would be close because, I mean, that was a dynasty as well. With You still had Duncan, Ginobili, Parker, and Kawhi was just coming into his own. He got Pop over there. But it, he did get a ring off of them. Thanks to Ray Allen, though, and Chris Bosh. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah. the Mavericks team was really blemish. The, the biggest one, you know, the one where he was – his second or third season, you know, he lost. Mm. He had that weak Cavs team. I don't think you can hold that one against him. But the yeah. <laughs> first year with the Heat, there's, I mean, I know Dirk, as I probably my top third, fourth best power forward all time, Hall of Famer. And other than that, no other superstars on his team are even like an all star. So, yeah. LeBron should, I mean, I mean, you look at his fourth quarter stats and that really hurts him. Yeah, and just look at the teams that they face. It, of course, they face the Phoenix Suns-led, Charles Barkley-led teams. Chuck winning an MVP one year. And of course, you got the Jazz team. You got the Sonics team with Gary Payton and Sean Kemp, two guys that are Hall of Famers as well, and led by George Carl on the bench, who's a Hall of Famer. Then you got the Blazers. I'm forgetting who the coach is at the time, but you also got Clyde. Not yeah, was it? I can't remember if it was Gervin or Drexler. It was Drexler. Drex- was it? Yeah, it's Drexler. Clyde. And of course, you got the whole thing with Drexler and MJ and who's the best two guard and all that stuff. So like, MJ didn't go through just any regular old people. Now, yeah, sure, the talent's a little bit more better today, but as far as like the guys that MJ had to go through, let's put some respect on some of their names. Just because we didn't see them doesn't mean we can't show some respect to them. They were good. He kept a lot of players See, from running rings. That's what I think a lot of people forget today, just how good they were. I just hate getting on Twitter. and There's a few people that, that come to my mind, and <laughs> and when watching this, they just hate on the people back then and say if they played in today's they went in today's game, they beat, they wouldn't even make it out of high school and stuff like that, just just ignorant stuff like that doesn't make sense to me. Because, I mean, that, they were, there were some ballers back then. Oh, yeah, there were. Uh, last thing. So this documentary was great. Uh, who do you, else do you think would be a good documentary to do on in type of this uh, type of the style? Maybe not ten part because that's a long time. You're going to get a lot of content out of it. I've seen I've seen people throw out Tiger as a possibility. Um, you know, the Kobe Shaq led Lakers maybe that whole thing. There's some interesting, you know, people and teams you can think of. I, I really would like the Tiger, you know, the, the rise and dominance and fall of Tiger. You know, I, I wouldn't mind seeing one on, on the Patriots, you know, myself or uh, a couple other ones. I mean, we know the Patriots got a whole lot of stuff behind the scenes, right? Yes. And, you know, the last <laughs> one, it, it'd, be, it'd be interesting to see. I mean, I'm trying to think of any other, you know, Kobe's final year. I'd like to see, you know, they, they said they have footage of right that and everything. I really, I mean, with the LeBron, I mean, I can't think of anything I'd really would care to see, to be honest with you. I think it just goes to show, like, this documentary is great. Like, it's hard to figure out anything else that can really c- kind of compare to the hype that it built. And it lived up to the hype. I mean, yes, we're in the time without any sports, but we would have got this in June, I think, originally. So it would have been around the time after the finals get got done. So I, I think it, we still would have been hyped about it because 
this is MJ and that whole dynasty giving all these interviews, being raw and telling all stuff that really happened and getting real for a second about how those teams and how those seasons went. So I think it's been a remarkable five weeks. I'm sad it's done. I wish there were more. 100%. It's going to be tough not watching over these next few weeks. I know. We're going to figure out something to watch about. Korean baseball, we're looking at you now. Now's your time. <laughs> That's right. Uh, let's stick with the NBA. So, we don't really know when the NBA's coming back. I think some people were assuming that probably, let's go ahead and finish the season off. Let, let's go into the playoffs. And, and some people are like, nah, let's just cancel the season. It, it's really hard to do it now. Uh, where, do you stand, where do you stand on that? By the way, I don't think we, you and me have talked about that as far as whether they should continue or not. And, you know, honestly, I think it'd be crazy to not continue the season. I mean, who, who doesn't want to watch a playoff run? If a couple of these teams want to keep watching basketball, I just don't get the people's viewpoints on not wanting to play, even if we have to start out without fans or something. I mean, I definitely want to see how this season ends. And, you know, I think LeBron – after everything with Michael, you know, Eric, you know, he's getting more praise, you know, a bunch of people in our generation needs to go. And so I feel like now he's got something to prove to a bunch of people that's back on Michael's bandwagon of being the go and everything. Everybody would be well rested, be some great competition. I think so as well. It, But I think the tricky part is getting enough tests for everybody. Where are they going to come back? How much time are they going to need to train and get back in the game shape? That's the biggest part. And I've been reading a whole lot of articles, thanks to The Athletic. So I've, And I've really enjoyed having this time here and reading all these articles. And, of course, we had Adam Silver and the Board of Governors with a con- doing a conference call on Tuesday. And here's basically some of the fine points of what they said. Uh, he told the owners he's aiming for a decision in about two to four weeks, uh, whether to cancel season or not. And this is the first time they said a specific date. And they, was, they believe that a decision on whether or not to play in the season can't be delayed into July. And I think you, that's true. I don't think you can delay this big of a decision two months from now. Oh, no. Like, you also got to consider about next season as well. Like, when are you going to start that? I mean... See, maybe shorten this series... Instead of maybe all of them being seven, maybe certain ones to five or something like that. But, mm-hmm. you know, we, we, we just cannot not have basketball and not allow it to be played out. I just I just don't – we got to see what's going to happen. LeBron's finally healthy. He's got the Lakers in first seed in the West. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine how Lakers fans feel. <laughs> I mean, I got to see if he's going to get a championship. I mean – I mean, I definitely think they will if they finish it out. So, I mean, I got to see what's going to happen. I do, too. Uh, I really want to come back. I, I don't even care if I see my Grizzlies get swept. I don't even care. I just want to see us get into the playoffs. Uh, I, I miss us being in the playoffs. And I want to see how Ja performs in his first playoff series. I want to see if he's going to go hard. Especially knowing that it's going to be LeBron on the other side. So... <laughs> <laughs> Good luck. I, I know. Good luck. I, I'm not saying maybe we could get a game, but I think that's the most. <laughs> I honestly don't think it'd be a 4 0. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. I just want to get them some playoff experience. You know, a team that young, you know, 
You got a second-year player in Jaron Jackson, two rookies in Brandon Clark and John Morant, a bunch of other young guys in Dylan Brooks, uh, Tyus Jones, some guys who haven't been to the playoffs before. I just want to say get them the experience. And, hey, going against LeBron is good experience. I mean. That's that's right. You're going to be top dog in the West. So, if you want to learn how to beat the best, you got to go play the best, I think. Hey, quick question, Ryan. Yeah. I read an article this week. Um, uh, it said the Grizzlies in a trade, Brandon Clark. What do you think about that? Oh, man. I, I'd say it depends on what the offer is. Because, you, know, you know, they said it's him and, J, and Triple J or whatever his nickname is. You know, they played the same position or whatever. So, you know, they say Brandon Clark would be useless just to be play backup minutes and everything. Well, you know, I think it would be interesting. Here's my thing. I think eventually Jaron is going to make the move over to center at some point. I kind of believe that. And he, he's got the frame, too, I think. Maybe add a little bit more strength to where he can bang bodies down low. But I, I kind of believe that's where he's headed to. I think with Clark, though, the guy's efficient. That's what you want a player to be. You want him to be efficient, and that's what Clark is. He's probably one of the most efficient players on the team. And so I would say, depending on what you, you what teams are offering, I mean, I, I'd keep him. I mean, you basically you got him at a steal in the draft, and he's done pretty well for you in your first year. So I think maybe you keep him and see if JJ can make that switch over to center. Maybe because the Valanciunas contract is only three years, so maybe you can do that move. Uh, while he's still under contract there, and maybe kind of as you kind of move Valanciunas out, you move Triple J into that center role and have him be that play that position, bring Clark into the starting lineup. And uh, I think they bring a lot of versatility, especially on the defensive side, because I think they can guard a whole lot of players there. They can switch out, and I feel comfortable with them guarding uh, smaller guys out there on the court. I. I mean, it, again, it depends on the offer, but I think you keep them together. It's a nice young core, and I'm surprised of how of how fast that they built this team. It's insane. That is insane. Like, if you told me that this would have happened, I, I, I was like, yeah, right. We, we're the Grizzlies. We're never going to rebuild that fast. It's going to be quite some time, but no, we're in the playoffs year one. So, uh, so some of the other things that kind of went over – about this is, you know, like you mentioned, LeBron is kind of itching to get back. Giannis, Steph, Chris Paul, they've kind of had discussions about this on their own. I believe they talked about it last Monday and kind of like, hey, we want to get back. Uh, we want to get back and play some playoffs, especially like LeBron and Giannis. They're chasing for a championship this year. And they both really want it badly. For Giannis to say getting his first, for LeBron – bringing a title, bring back some Laker glory to the NBA, which the NBA honestly needs. Lakers winning a championship is a good story for the NBA. It helps things out. But it does. I don't, here's my thing though. And this is the thing with Adam Silver and all of it hinges on uh, this idea, the testing and all that stuff. How are you going to get it? I think as we slowly seen here in the U S that there's been a whole lot more testing available. And I think once you see that sort of rise up as the weeks go by, as if it increases each week, 
I think it helps out the NBA a little bit more and them trying to get testing if they need it. And here's the other thing, though. What are you going to do if a player tests positive? I think they eventually, this is what I think they'll do. It's, it's going to act as a DNP. The player's going to be quarantined. It's going to be acting like the guy's on the injury list. And they'll be fine. I mean, we're seeing it with baseball, not to get too ahead of ourselves, but baseball's bringing 50 guys on their team. Like, and the NBA, they're only bringing 14. So I think they're finding out there's an outbreak between the team and they go right into the playoffs. What are they going to do? Ooh, that, you know, that, that's a good point. I did not think about that. Honestly, you know, you know, it can spread real quick and everything and people will not know that they have it. So, you know, they, like you said, they got to have readily tests available that could give Johnny on the spot test results and everything. So, yeah, it's interesting. And also, there's a whole lot of money that's going to be lost in this too. So that's a factor. I, maybe a lot of this is probably financial. It probably is. I wouldn't be surprised. But, I mean, I don't blame them. So reading some of these articles, as far as national TV revenue go, and this article from Sam Amick, he lists $900 million is going to be lost because of national te- TV revenue. Wow. That's an insane amount of number. I believe I also saw that it's going to hurt out on the regional TV uh, stations. So, according to this article, it says it requires them to at least air 70 games to achieve the threshold, the financial threshold. And, you know, so that's going to hurt the regional stations as well. Yeah, they're going to lose some money along with that as well. So, that's going to hurt them. But the testing is going to be the tricky part is what are you going to do? Or how many tests are you going to get available? And that's going to be the key stack to look at is how many available tests are going to be available to the players and to get enough for people that actually need the test, that actually have the virus, people on the front lines to help them. I think that's going to be the key thing to watch out for. I don't know. Do you think the testing thing is going to be something to watch out for? Definitely. I mean, they're going to have to do something. You know, I think there's just too much money involved to not try and come up with some quick, you know, uh, alternatives to get all this fixed and so they can actually play basketball and and all the sports. And so, you know, there's just too much money involved to not do this. Right. And they've mentioned a couple locations. Like Vegas is listed as location and Disney World in Orlando is listed as a location. I didn't think that would be listed as a location, but here we are. Disney World in Orlando. Uh, one thing with Vegas, though, there's – a pretty conceivable knowledge of Vegas and the NBA. You got Summer League there. Uh, you got various other NBA functions that have gone there. Various basketball functions that have gone on there. I believe there's like about four or five arenas that you can play at in Vegas. So there's a lot of opportunity to play games there. If you got that many available arenas in there, especially arenas that you know that you've played in with the Summer League that you've had to schedule stuff for, and also with the hotels, there's a lot of hotel space there as well. They've housed NBA teams in the past. I think the thing, though, is would families want to go there? You know, it's Vegas. I mean, I don't care if it's still – you still don't have the nightlife that you would in the pandemic in Vegas, but it's still Vegas. Yes. I mean, let's talk to Rodman about that. But that's a, that's a thing that's definitely should be considered – and the family thing, that's another big thing. 
is families. What are you going to do about that? That is true. Uh, and then, you know, I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot that's going to have to go into this decision. And I'm sure they're meeting about it every day to try and figure out the best solution. You know, I think most people want them to finish out everything. So I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see what decisions they make going forward. I just think there's just too much, too much money to be lost. If they don't continue this season. Now, here's the thing with Orlando that they mentioned. Obviously, the Disney ESPN connection right there with the NBA. They got hotel space and basketball-ready venues, which I'm not aware of, but okay, good for them. Uh, it's a private property, and that plays well into the NBA's hands. You're keeping the stuff out. It's private property. Not Anything's not getting in. That's a good thing. And, you know, what's Florida's condition like? So, with Vegas... A lot of the cases from Nevada have come from Vegas. There's a high percentage of that. With Florida and Orlando, Orlando, uh, which of course resides in Orange County, it's been kept fairly under control. Only 3.6 of the state's cases uh, have been from Orlando, and about 1.9% of the deaths have come from Orlando. So that's really good. Uh, in that case, you, you're, they're keeping the numbers down low. There's not too much of an outbreak down there. And of course, Florida's kind of reopened some sort of, you know, WWE was deemed essential back in April. Uh, so, I, which one's a better option, Vegas or Orlando? There's pros and cons to each of them. Honestly, I, I like Florida a little bit more. You know, their population is greater than New York. And then, you know, that far less cases and everything so and i just like I like the florida florida weather a little bit better and I feel like there's more venues and stuff for everyone to play and everything you know i think of all the big cities and everything in florida and i just think they're just a little bit better option but i yeah, know i know the summer leagues in vegas though so i don't know i, I just like florida a little bit more i want to of course again that connection there that with nba disney espn the private property thing is probably huge in this case you can control it a little bit easier what comes in what goes out i think that could be an option and i think the vegas stuff you know it's it's all pre-existing all the knowledge there all the relationships that you have with the people that work in those stadiums work with getting that stuff scheduled i'm like you if they could figure out a way to do this then i think they're going to do it and they're going now they're still going to lose some money that's a given but the, if they do come back and everything goes fine there's maybe one or two players test positive but on different teams and you can control the outbreak then i think they're going to make some they're make going to make some good money back and everything's going to be fine but that's the other thing going back to players testing positive what about the other teams that played the team that had the player test positive. And it's in the playoffs. What are you going to do then? Oh, you can't just stop the stop the the series and wait till he's healthy again. I know it's a it's tough. It's, it's a tough cuz then we're like what if LeBron James is <laughs> is the person that tests positive for corona and he's out for 2 weeks and so they just got to play the series without him. But I don't think that we can't just wait until there's a cure. Because, you know, I mean, the cure's not yeah. probably going to happen for another, maybe up to a year, maybe longer, maybe six months from now. I mean, you know, people will be wanting to start the NBA season back up in 
October and you know the one the NFL, you know, we just I guess we just can't not wait. So I don't know. I think I think just the best thing we need to do is just start it up. I hope we can. I and hopefully we'll find that decision here soon. Like I'm so said, two to four weeks. So it, it's, a, it's about the time I read this articles. So about a, about June maybe sounds good. I think that's when they need to make a decision on that. Is it? But if they can't come with a decision, and like I said, they wait till July, then it's going to be very tough because then you got to consider next season and take that to account. I'm worried about think, it, but I, I'm hopeful. Then they just need to take as many precaution, precautions that they can take, right? And, and you know, just we just got we can't just be hiding behind our doors, just waiting for there to be a cure. You know, there's just that's just not that's not the best thing to, to happen for us to do, right? So I, I've been hopeful each and every day about you know when are we going to get something back? I don't care if it's baseball. Uh, if baseball came back, I would immediately become a baseball fan in a huge way. Uh, I would care immensely a whole lot more about it and be wanting to talk about it more. But I don't know. It, I, I'm i hopeful stuff comes back. I'm hopeful we, we can find a way to work through this and figure out a solution. And like I said, take as many precautions as we can and try to keep everything safe and stay hopeful that, you know, everything improves, testing, all that stuff. Speaking of baseball, let's go over to baseball now. Of course, they released a 67-page documentation about all the guidelines that they're going through. And I read through some of it. I can't remember off the top of my head except that there is a whole bunch that they listed. And it goes to, you know, like with the baseball itself to like players standing in, you know, the freaking stands the Ubers and all that stuff. And you've seen Blake Snell and Bryce Harper kind of talk about it as well, you know, with the 50-50 revenue split. So what's your opinion on the baseball split? Is the 50-50 revenue, is it good for the players? Is it good for the owners? Was Who's it good for? Well, you know, Ron, I read all 67 pages, so I'm pretty detailed <laughs> in, in the takes. Um, Honestly, you know, I, I think it's, it's fair for you know for both sides as fair as it can be you know I, I, it's hard for me to say one side deserves more than the other personally you know i just want to watch some baseball and for them to uh to get everything figured out because you know I, I mean i enjoy baseball and everything i i think i think it's kind of fair for both sides to be honest with you i think so but i think i can also see where the players union is coming from and talking yeah. about this and of course, if people have been living under a rock, I mean, what else you got to do? I mean, read some stuff going on here. <laughs> so the 50-50 split under the Union League, it would base the salaries only for this season upon percentage of revenues generated. And they've talked about the amount of games they would play. And they've, I know 82 has been mentioned, which would be about, it'd be about half. Yeah. And without fans. And that plan was introduced and approved by the owners last week. And the union part of them believes that this could lead to a certain type of salary cap. And I'm in this article from the athletic, the, the players association executive director said, you know, a system that restricts a player pay based on revenue is a salary cap. We're not trying to do that. All that stuff. I can understand that. I can understand. I mean, you see how much money these baseball players make. 
Like a Bryce Harper's last contract. <laughs> <laughs> it's insane how much some of these players are making. I know some people don't care about baseball. I mean, I try to watch it World Series time, but... I mean, I, I mean, I'm pretty much like a whole lot of people in this country. Like, when's the World Series? Let's watch it. I, I mean, I enjoy baseball more than hockey, but even though I have the same mindset with hockey, if it's Stanley Cup, I'm down. Uh, but with this MLB thing, I, you, I can see where both sides would have a disagreement, especially on the players' union. I understand why uh, not getting a salary cap. You're taking away some money for some of the players, and especially some of the guys that are making the minimum. That's the big thing, is taking away some of the salary from some of the guys that are making the minimum. Uh, I know with some guys like the larger contracts we just talked about, I mean, they're they're still going to get paid a whole lot of money. They're just going to lose a little bit more of it. But looking at the guidelines and looking at this revenue split that they're still discussing, they're still hammering out, they're still trying to work out some other agreement. You think we're going to get baseball back? Honestly, yes. You know, I saw that they were going to do up to 10,000 tests a week. So, I mean, that's, that's a heck of a lot of the tests. You know, they said it might be more than 10,000 COVID-19 tests per week and, you know, overhauling stadiums and in-game settings. You know, to encourage social distance, distancing. And so, you know, I think their plan really illustrates the enormity of the task, you know, of getting the season started. And yeah. they're doing pretty good plan of action. So, you know, I think that plan of action leans towards them, you know, getting to play. So, you know, you know, the next two weeks or make or break for the for the season. But, you know, I think they have a good proposal and, and how they'll get it done. It's good. That's the big thing. Is hammering this stuff out, getting it all organized, and figuring out when you're going to have spring training, when you're going to have the start of the season, how long do you need for, for, for spring training? It goes back to the whole NBA argument. How long do you need to get ready to prepare for the season or for playoffs or whatever? How long do you need? And so, and it's, it's going to be interesting, though, for real. It is. And they're going to be worried about the whole testing thing as well. And it's a, they're bringing in 50 players. That's a whole bunch. Each team is bringing 50 players. You got the managers, the coaches, all that stuff, and also the whole family thing. Now, I've seen where they've talked about about a month or two ago, talked about trying to bring families in. or and I know they mentioned Arizona as a possible city where they could play in. I remember that whole thing going on and whether families would be okay if players were away for a few months. I know some players are otherwise like, and their families are at this as well. Like, listen, if I can get some money to help out with stuff, go, go and do it. But I understand where some players are coming from, especially the guys that are making not as much money as some of the high profile players, or they're going to be losing a good chunk of their money. And I understand that because if you're making minimum salary, you're going to lose a whole bunch. Yes. I mean, things weren't looking great salary-wise to begin with, but then this happens. You're going to lose a whole lot more. That's definitely a thing to be concerned about, especially with you're going to a situation which, again, uh, forget the virus. You don't know how the MLB is going to handle this, how this is going to work. Like, there's so yeah, many I, guidelines. I, I, I thought it was kind of interesting, you know, the shorter 
you know, schedule has made a couple of older players, you know, want to say they want to play a little more. You know, I saw Yachty say he wants to come back to the Cardinals, but, you know, what they got going on. I like the news that came out today, Big Sexy saying he wants one more season <laughs> in the majors at 46 years old. And, you know, I always like Bartolo Colon, so, you know what I mean, with the short schedule and everything. I'd like to see Big Sexy come back, and if, if it's just for the, you know, he wants to play again for the Mets or somebody. You know, I think that's interesting to see players like that want to come back for one more year. Yeah. <laughs> Big Sexy. I, I love Cologne. <laughs> <laughs> I do, too. Big fan of him and his home run. <laughs> his one home run. There we go. Uh, yeah, I think it's, if the MLB can figure out, same thing with the NBA, same thing with the NFL. If they can figure out a way to make sure everything goes smoothly, to figure this stuff out, figure out how to keep everything safe, get testing, you know, check temperatures daily. If they can figure all that stuff out and make it organized, get it in order, and have it conducted in an orderly manner, Go for it. I mean, it, what else, what else are you gonna do? You got to go for it. it. If you can figure out all that stuff and you can get the testing, go for it. And if I so, agree. And if something happens, well, then you're going to deal with it. You're going to try to figure it out from there. And I mean, that's the whole reason why they're bringing fifty players in. If one player gets it, you just bring another player in. But I don't know. If we get. Ba- What's more likely to come back first, baseball or or NBA? No, I would want to say basketball, but, you know, the way I feel like MLB is, uh, I don't know, they've just been so more outspoken with the steps that they're going to take. I got a feeling that it's going to be the MLB. I mean, I haven't heard or read where the NBA said they're going to do so many tests today and they got plans in place for this. You know, I haven't heard their plan of action. And, you know, we've heard – baseballs and everything so i mean i almost feel like baseball is gonna come back before basketball i mean that's been my thinking since you know they kind of talked about they feel like they would be the first ones to come back is there's not as much contact in baseball as there is in basketball and that's a key figure in discussing whether which one's going to come back you're not going to worry about that with baseball you're not going to worry about the same things with baseball and basketball and for baseball, I think if you got that chance to come back and, you know, to bring some sort of excitement to come back, I think they talked about coming back July 4th, uh, which which would be a good day for them to come back. Then I think it could have a profound effect on them, get people possibly interested in baseball again. You know, I remember reading an article a couple months back when this whole ordeal started about baseball coming back after 9-11 happened. And how great that was. It really revitalized kind of the whole country and coming back and coming together. And hopefully baseball, if they were the first to come back, especially on July 4th, I hope they can have that same impact. Exactly. I just, I hope it comes back. I need some, I need some kind of sports to keep me entertained now. That we don't have the last dance. I mean, Korean baseball is, is, is cool, but I need some kind of, I need baseball or basketball or something. I mean, we got NASCAR. Yeah. But... <laughs> yeah, we got NASCAR back. Yeah, we do. Uh, I, I know this was this wasn't on my schedule, but I guess we got time here. This is this is another interesting part. What about college football? What about football in general? You know, we've seen a lot of 
big schools come out and say they're, I mean, they're going to have uh, people uh, on campus and, you know, they're going to have football. But, you know, it's kind of tough when you have certain states say that there's going to be no football, no sports mm-hmm. for, the, for this period of time. So, I mean, maybe we'll just have sports without those certain states and, you know – we got to have our SEC football, so I mean, we've already seen like all SEC schools, and so they're down the play. I don't know if Mizzou did or really, but I remember seeing the list and everything. But I mean, we gotta gotta have some sports. I I know Sankey said he's not the whole fan of the whole conference of the whole teams playing everybody from the conference thing. He wants everybody to play each other from different conferences. But uh, I definitely would love that idea of playing the whole SEC. But, uh, I mean, listen, when it comes to the teams out west, I mean, have we really been concerned about the Bat-12 making the playoff? Really? Oh, yeah, they, they got no shot. I mean, what are we missing as far as them getting into the postseason? Uh, not really. I mean, we'll see one of them. We'll, they'll get in. They'll get blown out. So Yeah. They don't, they don't make it into the championship. Like, we're seeing Alabama. They're already talking about maybe trying to reschedule their game against USC, playing against Texas. Uh, big 12 teams have seen more likely that they may want to come back as well. Part of, for me, this hurts on a personal level because if we don't have college football, well, I feel like our boys up in Knoxville have a good chance to have a decent season. We get a promising young quarterback, and what happens? We're in a pandemic. I mean, I, this would happen. The, in a totally worst case scenario, this would happen. But I don't know. As far as the whole team, teams playing each other from the conferences thing, I think that would be fun. It would be a little bit different. I mean, of course, you're already playing a lot of teams from your conference anyway. I think with SEC, what you're playing eight or nine games with uh, teams from your conference anyway. So I mean, what's say you can't add an extra few? Like, you, you know the whole rotation thing where you play a certain team from the West every so, so years? Uh, I guess you can go and play, like, I'm going to use Tennessee as an example. You know, go and they haven't played LSU in a while. Go play LSU. They haven't played A&M in a minute. Let's go play A&M. You know, stuff like that. As far as which one's likely more likely to come back, NFL or college football, uh, I think definitely, you know, call, I mean, not call, NFL, not college football, because, you know, and there's ton, I mean, there's tons of money to be made college football, but, mm-hmm. you know, I think the NFL, you know, that, that the NCAA has been looking towards what the NFL is doing to try and figure out what to do. You know, I saw, I think it was last week, the Power Five commissioners, you know, they had a meeting with Goodell to return from their coronavirus. So... You know, I think the NFL has a better chance. You know, the date for us to look at is May, was it, 22nd? I think, you know, the SEC is going, you know, they're voting on, I think it's either 22nd or 23rd. They're voting to whether to open up their athletic facilities in June. And the SEC president and chancellors are voting. I forget which day it is on whether to, you know, to open up their athletic facilities for voluntary workouts in June. Right. So, you know, we got that coming up. Or, I mean, I don't even know what today's date is, Ryan. I don't, <laughs> it's today's, oh, it's the 18th. I didn't, I mean, today could have been the 22nd. And I had no idea. I, I just lose track of my days with everything going on. So, I mean, that's Friday. Yeah. So, you know, we're, we'll see what happens on Friday. Well, I think I read somewhere where you, 
where you mentioned about the ADs and Chance was talking about it. I think I saw where one AD directly came out and was an objection to doing this too soon. You want to take a crack at who it was? <laughs> who was it? There's our guy up in Knoxville, Phil Fulmer. Uh, uh, I know uh, there's a couple, I, I think, that weren't direct and like they didn't agree or disagree. But I think he was the only one that came out and was like, let's not be a little bit too hasty about this. Let's, you know, kind of take things slow. Let's see where things are heading. Uh, you know, I saw, you know, Lincoln Riley, you know, from Oklahoma. He said the same thing. He said, he said you know, we got to be patient with bringing football players back. And, you know, he said the the June 1st, you know, bringing players back June 1st is just ridiculous. He said basically, like, echoed the same sentiments. You know, we got to be patient. You know, we have one good shot at it. So, you know, I guess we do need to be a little patient. You know, we could have a shorter season, I think, mm-hmm. college football. I don't know. I was talking about it with one of my friends. It's just it all depends on what's going to happen when it gets cold again or cooler, you know, in the fall. Right. You know, because everything could get up and going, and then if it gets cool, and then another outbreak or something, it was just not hope for that. Yeah. I They've talked about playing in the spring. Yeah, I see. I forgot. It was, uh, you know, I was uh, listening to um, uh, Will Kane, the Will Kane show, and, you know, he said he thought that was the most likely option. You know, I thought that was pretty interesting. I think so, too. Everything. Considering, if, considering if they bring – College basketball back. Can you imagine? Both. I mean, it'd be crazy uh, them competing against each other. I mean, that would be so much fun. You get college football and you get college basketball. Then you got March Madness coming around the corner. And then, you know, watching what the NFL does and see if they want to, you know, try something like that, play a little bit later and have the Super Bowl much later. That, that would be a great run to have those three events very close in proximity. That'd be it'd be really it'd be neat. I think with uh, I think with that though, there's some negatives. It, it would kind of throw some things out of whack. But I mean, what's not thrown out of whack at this point? <laughs> yeah, we, we we don't have a normal anymore. Right, nothing is normal anymore. The only thing normal that I know of now is that basically what I'm doing is what I was doing before all this was happening: staying inside, and just chilling, <laughs> not going anywhere. Uh, but yeah, the, the possibilities are endless. The spring idea is interesting, but I'm like you, I'm hoping we can get these back and like, I'm, I'm optimistic. I've always been the optimistic guy. I think a lot of people that know me can say I've been optimistic, especially maybe too optimistic, especially when it comes to Tennessee, uh, (laughs) especially on that side, but I've been optimistic each and every day about the possibilities and. There's some days that are like, oh, hey, one day closer. But then some new numbers come out, some more news comes out. I was like, ah, oh, man, that puts a damper. What, is something going to – are we not going to have it? So it's a situation with all with all these sports that we're going to take it day by day and figure out how's it going to work? What's it looking like out there? What's the testing looking like? How's that situation looking? You know, it's something we're going to have to take – I look at each and every day, keep an eye on, and hope for the best. That, that's what we got to do right now. We got to hope for the best to come out of this. Yeah. So, I don't know. Hopefully, we get sports back. Hopefully, uh, we get it back soon. It was nice having the Lance Stance on. I know ESPN's running <laughs> some more documentaries, uh, a 30 for 30. I know the Lance Armstrong documentary is coming out 
what, a couple weeks from now or next week. That should be an interesting one. It should. And they got the Bruce Lee one coming out. Uh, and then, oh, what was the, uh, what was the other one they had coming out? Oh, man. It, oh, I'm ready for the Bruce Lee one. I mean, that one's going to be, I mean, they're all going to be great. I mean, what is the other one? Uh, I don't know. I, I can't, I can't remember now either. Man, I can't remember just like we can't remember what day the, the week it is. It's, I'm like you. I can't remember which day it's been. Well, I know today could have been, you know, you know, Friday. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but oh, the Mark McGuire one. That's that's isn't that the one you're talking about? Oh yeah yeah yeah. Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa. Yeah. Yeah yeah. Uh, okay yeah. I I've seen Sammy Sosa recently, but seeing him again, my goodness. It's crazy. <laughs> he looks like somebody entirely different. Can barely recognize who this guy is, but yeah, I'm I'm ready for those. But uh, I'm ready for some more sports. I'm ready to get sports back. And hopefully, 100%. we get them. All right, so uh, Grant, this has been fun. Thanks for coming on to our, kind of our first real views podcast in a minute. Uh, like I said, it's the opportunities have been scarce. We haven't had a whole lot of sports to talk about, but we we've had the last dance. And uh, just again, just an outstanding documentary. And, 100%. Yeah. So, again, man, appreciate you coming on. Take care. Appreciate it, our dog. Look forward to the next time I'm on. Thank you for having me. All right, guys. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed that. Uh, talk a little bit about the last dance and basketball and some baseball and when sports are going to come back. Again, we'll see where we're when we're coming back. In the meantime, hopefully we can get a little bit of uh, something going for you. Bit of, we, I know I've thrown out the ideas to the guys about possible what-if podcasts, potential top three podcasts on certain different things. So we'll have to see how that goes. And if we get sports back, all the more better. But in the meantime, be on the lookout, especially on the entertainment side. We got some podcasts ramping up on there. We got our Captain America trilogy series coming out. We're going to be hopefully taping, if we can remember the days of the week, two podcasts this week on both the First Avenger and Winter Soldier. And then and the next week or so, record the Civil War one. And we'll go from there. We talked about having a Less Jedi Part 3, 4 podcast with uh, Peter discussing his new take on The Last Jedi movie so hopefully we'll find out when those are coming out and figure those out in the meantime but thank you guys for listening as always be sure to go check us out on all the podcast platforms whichever one you prefer be sure to go subscribe keep it up with the latest action from us and thank you guys for listening we'll talk to you next time